I rarely have the opportunity to brag on my grandchildren, but I want to do that tonight. I have two of the most precious people in my life here tonight. Sam Cochran in the purple shirt on the front row. Looks like a purple goat in a purple boat, I think. And Riley Cochran and their sister Anna, they've been with us for a good part of the summer now, a couple of three weeks, different times. And while their mother's getting better, and uh, they've been a blessing to, to me. And they were taking them home tomorrow, and I'm going to miss them. So <clears throat> they come back, and you need grass cut or limbs hauled. Sam will be glad to do that for you. He does it for free. I want to Deuteronomy chapter 1, 31, verses 1 through 8. Deuteronomy 31, 1 through 8. And we're going to talk tonight about spiritual leadership. We're going to look at it from a backwards way, sort of here at the end of Moses' life and at the beginning of Joshua's opportunity going forward. Deuteronomy 31. So Moses went and spoke all these words to all Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old today, and I am no longer able to come and go. And the Lord has said to me, You shall not cross this Jordan. It is the Lord your God who will cross ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you shall dispossess them. Joshua is the one who will cross ahead of you, just as the Lord has spoken. The Lord will do to, to them just as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. The Lord will deliver them up before you, and you shall do to them according to all the commandments which I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Verses 7 and 8. Then Moses called to Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall give it to them as an inheritance. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Now this is the call to spiritual leadership that came to Joshua. The torch is being passed from one spiritual leader to another. And one of the more remarkable things about this story is how Moses realized it was time for someone else to lead. And I want to submit to you that this is perhaps the most remarkable, mature mark of a spiritual leader. Passing the baton with grace and the wisdom to know when to do it. That time comes in every walk of life. Take sports, for in instance. Great NFL quarterbacks, like 
Tom Brady uh, are going to come to a point at some point, all of them do when they realize it's time to retire. Sometimes injuries force them to do so. Perhaps the most difficult time is when they seem to be at the top of their game. But we can't always be at the top of our game. And so it's good to know when to step aside and to pass that opportunity on to someone else before we fail or we're forced to because we can no longer see the speed lost in our step or the quickness of thinking needed to do the job. Moses was relinquishing his role as spiritual leader because he was a spiritual leader. He was listening to God and following God. It was in obedience to God and not under the pressure of some group or due to the loss of his own personal passion. It was true spiritual leadership. So we see this quality of spiritual leadership in Moses' life, passing the baton of leadership with great grace and the wisdom of knowing when to do it. That time will come in my life, and uh, I hope I see it before you do, and I think you understand what I mean. And everybody who is a spiritual leader and who's in a position of leadership, whether it's uh, leadership in the Supreme Court, that's not spiritual leadership, but those people in the Supreme Court, although they can serve for life, they have to know, exercise a little bit of wisdom about when it's time for them to go. But this text is not about Moses, it's about Joshua and his call to spiritual leadership. And so over the past weeks, we've been talking a good bit about what it looks like to be a leader in the church, and specifically we've been thinking about deacons, and it's in that regard that I bring this message to you tonight. I do so reminding you that deacons are to be spiritual leaders. There is not once in Scripture where deacons serve as a board making the business decisions about the church. They are spiritual leaders and servants with the same spiritual responsibility equal to that of any other great spiritual leader in Scripture. And you begin with some of the finest, Stephen and Philip, two of the finest characters in the Bible who were deacons. So tonight I want to set them alongside Joshua Deacons as we consider this call to spiritual leadership. So first, and we went at it from a backwards point, we look at Moses when he realized it's time to let somebody else do this. But first, the call of God to spiritual leadership is inherently a call to follow, and the one who leads is God himself. Here, Moses assured Joshua, it is the Lord God who goes before you. Spiritual leadership let me define it this way, is not a quest to lead men. It is a quest to follow God. And if, if we can ever wrap our minds around that and understand that, it will shape what we do in the church. It is not a quest to lead men. It is a quest to follow God. He is your leader. He is not asking you to blaze a trail into the unknown, he will mark the way. Your task is simply to follow his footsteps. Last week, we described a spiritual leader as being a person after God's heart. 
That is, a person whose passion is to do only that which is right in God's eyes. I think I've told you before about when I left Camden Baptist Church and they were looking for a new pastor, one of the candidates called me and said, uh, the pulpit committee from Camden Baptist Church has called me and asked me if I would consider coming. And he said, I just want you to know that if I go, I have an agenda and uh, I have some things I want to get done. And I didn't mind telling him because it wasn't any skin off my teeth. I said, brother, you better consider whether or not God has an agenda for that church. And it's you that needs to adjust your agenda to them and not them, their agenda to you. Because God is the one who's leading. We don't come with our agendas. I can't come here with mine. We, you don't come with yours. We hear the heart of God. And we follow the heart of God. Everything hinges on our obedience to him. So will we trust his leadership? We talked about following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Look, following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, you can look in the New Testament and see the early church. It was trial and error for them sometimes. They said, we tried to go this way. The Spirit didn't permit us. We tried to go here. The Spirit hindered us. But then there were those open doors but we, we're sensitive to what the Spirit is doing. We're sensitive to what God is doing when we step to the left and the right. Understanding as God has promised, you'll hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it when you turn to the right or to the left. Now when God gives us an assignment, it's not our job to second guess God, but simply to follow. And remember, it's the Lord God who goes before us. Number one, the call of God to spiritual leadership is inherently a call to follow. Follow. And the one who leads is God himself. Second, the call to follow is a call to incredible faith in the one who leads. Spiritual leadership is a call to incredible faith in, in God's invisible presence. He's the one who leads. And the question is, do you have the faith to follow God? Moses told Joshua... He will be with you. Now, we have that promise in various places. I mean, if you that's in the book of Deuteronomy. But if you go to the book of Isaiah, when you walk through the waters, he will be with you. And the fire, it'll, God's going to be with you. Well, if you get into the New Testament, Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always. And then you get over to the book of Revelation, and where is Jesus? He's walking in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. He's right in the middle of his church. So spiritual leadership requires that in, in incredible faith in God's invisible presence. And we assume his presence, not because we always feel it, but because he's promised it. Uh, what comes near being true? My feelings are God's promises. We want to stand on God's promises. So the call of God to spiritual leadership is inherently a call to follow, and the one who leads is God himself. And the call of God to, to spiritual leadership is a call to incredible faith in God's invisible presence. Will you trust his promise and lead God's people forward, or will you tremble and be dismayed? That's the biggest thing that I find in leadership opportunities, when you see something that 
you feel like God is moving in a direction, we're a little bit tentative because we don't see how it can be done. We don't see how it can be accomplished. And it can't be accomplished on our own. We have to depend on the Lord. And we'll come to that as you can see. Uh, and number three, the call to spiritual leadership is a call to rest your faith in God's unfailing faithfulness. In one translation, the English Standard Version, the promise reads, He will not leave you or forsake you. In the New American Standard Bible, the promise reads, He will not fail you or forsake you. How do you know that? How can you rest your soul and your future on nothing more than a promise? That's exactly what God was asking Joshua to do. And so was God faithful to Joshua? Well, Joshua didn't really know on the front end, did he? All he had was Moses' testimony. And so all, Moses, all Joshua could do was to go forward. And we go forward one day at a time and one step at a time, one promise at a time. We take God at his word and we go forward. But when Joshua sews it all up and hands it off to somebody else at the end of his life, this is what he said in Joshua 23, verse 14. He said, And now I am about to go the way of all the earth. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass. Not one of them has failed. Joshua didn't see that looking forward. But he had this promise. God's not going to fail me or forsake me. God's going to be with me wherever I go. I can be strong and courageous and I can rest my faith on God's unfailing faithfulness and I can go forward. Will I know the doors that are going to open in the future? No, but I'm just following God. And one day I'll look back and I'll say, you know, it's just as God said, he was faithful. I obviously can see more looking back uh, at my age than I, than I could looking forward. And it's incredible the things that the Lord has done has nothing to do with me. So remember, God is not like your father who failed you. God is not like your mother who left you. God is not like the friends who forsake you. God will not leave you or forsake you. God will not abandon you to your circumstances. He will keep the promises that he has made to you, and he will be faithful. You can turn your life and future over to him. Now, Moses had done that for 40 years, finding God to be faithful. And here on the front end of Joshua's journey, it was Moses who said, he will not fail you or forsake you. In Joshua, God picks up the words of Moses. You ever noticed how God does that? I had a conversation with God on the way to church this morning, and in the early service, every song we sung answered question after question that I had in my conversation with God. Just, you know, one of those random things you do. Go, God, what if, what's the problem? What? All of those, those little, one of those little times in my life, you know? And there we were singing those songs, and it seemed like every one of them, every one of those simple little songs written by the Gaithers or Mosey Lister, you know, it seemed to hit me right where I was. So finally, the call to spiritual leadership is a call to courageous confidence in the face of incredible challenge. 
there's a guy that wrote a book. I can't recall his name. It's probably good that I can't because I didn't like it. And I can't even tell you what the name of the book is right now, but he called God a risk taker. He said God's a risk taker. And he said men need to be risk takers. God's no risk taker. God's no risk taker. God, God, Jesus didn't take a risk when he went to the cross. He knew exactly what he was doing. It was the plan of God from the foundation of the world. There was no risk there. And we don't risk anything when we step out in faith and following God. Our risk is in disobedience. That's where our risk is. Joshua could no more do what God was calling him to do than Moses could have done what God called him to do. It was impossible on his own. You remember the first spies that Moses sent out came back with the report the land was impossible to conquer. They were faint-hearted and afraid. But spiritual leadership requires courageous confidence in God. It requires stubborn faith that God has a plan and that he will make a way in the face of your difficulty. And you have to put blinders on the old mule, you know, so the mule can see just focus on where he's going and not be distracted. And sometimes we have to do the same thing because there are a lot of things that will distract us. Naysayers distract us. Other opportunities distract us. But we have to be focused on what God has called us to do and what he's assigned us to do. God always meant for the king of his people to be spiritual leaders. Some were and some were not. Ahaz was the supreme example of one who was not the man God wanted him to be. And in the seventh chapter of the book of Isaiah, uh, Ahaz faced a, a tremendous crisis. And God gave him the same opportunity that he gave to, God, to Joshua. God sent word to him and said this to him in verse 9 of chapter 7. He said, he said, what you need to do, he said, you need to be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint. Think about that. Be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not faint. And then God said, if you are not firm in your faith, you will not be firm at all. If you don't stand strong in what you believe, you're not going to stand at all. But Ahaz didn't fa face the situation that way. The Bible says that his heart and the heart of his people shook like the trees of the forest shake with the wind. Now let's just be honest. Some things don't rattle me. Not at all. In the least. Some things do. You have those things in your life. Things that circumstances usually in our, in our circles, things that just absolutely scare the, the stew out of us. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to turn. But God comes to us and he says, I want you to trust me. I remember, I think about David back there, and I hate to call your name at this time and the circumstances that you're in, David, but I had a man in my church in Louisiana, first really church that I pastored other than the one that Brother Ben pastored, which, which I'm not sure was still a church when we pastored it, but we were there at, at uh, different times. But Mr. Alfred Jones, his son was in the hospital at uh, Oshner's uh, in New Orleans, and 
Uh, the little church that I was at was 60 miles north of New Orleans, and uh, Mr. Alfred said I'd get off work every day and I'd go down to the hospital to see Fred. Fred had some kind of uh, serious illness, and they weren't expecting Fred to live. And he said every day I'd, I'd drive down there and I'd, and I'd pray. He said I'd pray all the way across the causeway, and some of you may not know what the causeway is, but it's a 26.2-mile bridge from Mandeville to New Orleans, and uh, he'd drive across that bridge and pray all the way. He said, one day I got to the edge of that bridge, and the Lord said, Alfred, don't pray anymore. Everything's going to be okay. And he said, I had a peace come over me that God was going to be true to his word. And I'll never forget him telling me that story with his grown son, Fred, standing beside him, strong and healthy. God made a promise, and God kept it. God always keeps his promises. Will we keep ours when he gives us an assignment and says, First Baptist Church, this is the direction I want you to go. This is the assignment I'm giving you. Deacons, this is your job. Follow me. Trust me. Walk with me. Let's pray.